Hello and welcome to Unboxing Christianity, the podcast in which we seek to unbox and explore all things to do with the Christian faith. In this podcast, I'm joined by Michael Kenning as we explore the topic of pilgrimage, as we dive deep into what it means, what it is, the biblical uh, basis for pilgrimage and how it can be a discipline for us in our Christian lives. So uh, without further ado, let's get stuck in. Well, welcome everyone and welcome to uh, this podcast. Today we are uh, taking a look at uh, a really interesting topic, uh, one that you may uh, be aware of, one that you may have uh, heard about before, but maybe that you haven't uh, dived into and explored uh, that much. But do not worry, because today that's exactly what we're going to be doing as we take a look at pilgrimage uh, and what that means um, from a Christian uh, standpoint. Uh, and I'm joined um, today by Michael Kenning. Uh, Michael, how are you? Hi, Matthew. Good to be with you. Greetings from County Cork on St. Patrick's Day. St. Patrick's Day, yes. We're recording this on St. Patrick's Day. What a, um, what a great day to be recording about pilgrimage. Um, so, Michael, before we get started into this topic, which you are a veteran of, um, a, a veteran pilgrimager, uh, <laughs> so here, um, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, so uh, I'm, I was born in Belfast in Stranmillis, but uh, we moved over to England for a few years during the Troubles, uh, which is why I have this rather strange accent. I'm a Northern Irishman in disguise, and um, we came back to uh, Northern Ireland when I was nine, and uh, I, I have spent my teenage years in Bangor. So I suppose you could say I'm a Bangorian, and a lot of and all the Northern Irish people are not from Bangor. I go, oh, good grief, posh Bangor, and that kind of thing. So yeah, I grew up in Bangor, and uh, I've lived in, uh, trained in Northampton, and I've lived in West Yorkshire and uh, Manchester, and I'm now living in County Cork, in a village outside Mallow, which is a nice little market town in North Cork, nice rural area, very beautiful place. So yeah, really, I've been in, we've been in County Cork for 19 years. So yeah, that's kind of my story in a nutshell, I suppose. Very nice. So yes, you've uh, you've got around um, a bit around the UK and, around. and now in the deep south of Ireland. In the deep south, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so just to give a little bit of context, we um, we actually met on um, a Church of Ireland uh, course. Um, you know, that's right. So we did um, uh, not that long ago, um, so that's how we uh, came in contact, and we've been obviously discussing and uh, over that time since first uh, meeting, we've been chatting about uh, various different aspects um, of, you know, uh, the Christian mm. faith. Um, we both come from similar kind of uh, standpoints in, you know, what we believe, but there is one subject that, um, the subject we're talking about tonight, um, or sorry, on this podcast, um, is the subject of pilgrimage. Um, one that I know for, for me, I, um, have heard the word pilgrimage. Um, I, it's something that's been branded around in uh, Christian circles, but not something that I've really uh, dived into. Um, it's something that I have an interest in because it sounds nice and it sounds great, but as I say, uh, not something that I've never actually done. So before we actually get started into the, to the meat of what pilgrimage uh, sort of is, what it is and you know what it looks like, um, Michael, can you give us a little bit of a, an overview or a definition of what pilgrimage actually is or what a pilgrim is? 
Yeah, I mean, I'm, I, I, I don't think I, uh, I'm going to give you a sort of Oxford dictionary definition, uh, and I'm sure my sort of definition of pilgrimage um, is not sort of textbook, but um, I suppose I would define pilgrimage as, as basically it's an intentional journey. It's where we take a journey and set aside time from our normal lives, from our everyday activities, in order to kind of create a space um, in our lives so that we can encounter God and um, allow him to speak to us. You know, it's, it's, so it's, there's that intentionality about it, that idea of I'm going to, I'm going to set this time aside and I'm, I, I, for the purpose of hearing what God might want to say to me and to sort of refocus my, my vision on, on God and what God might want to say. And, and then I, I, I would say that the features of pilgrimage, are, you know, obviously pilgrimage in, should involve a journey. So there should be some sense of journey, a physical journey, I think really that we should take with a sort of a destination or, or, a, or a goal in mind. And um, for me, having a, um, a destination that has some sort of spiritual significance, maybe in the history of the church, in the history of the development of Christianity, I find very, very helpful. Or, you know, just somewhere, somewhere that was a place of prayer or a place of um, sp spiritual significance in the past. Obviously, we're talking about Christian pilgrimage here tonight. I'm not talking about pilgrimage in other faiths, obviously. And so it should have a destination um, in mind. It should also, I think, pilgrimage should really involve some level of inconvenience. Um, it should involve um, um, some sense of stretching ourselves, putting ourselves outside our normal comfort zone where we are challenged maybe physically or, or mentally uh, and certainly spiritually. So, you know, for me, pilgrim, uh, walk, as a pilgrimage where you walk is ideal. So I'd be thinking particularly of a, of a of a pilgrimage where you have to to go on a, on a walking journey but you know it could be a, a pilgrimage could be a, a pilgrimage you undertake in your car you know you could decide to drive somewhere to somewhere of significance and set that time aside to see god it could be you could cycle you can cycle on a pilgrimage that's certainly something that you know, people do you could even ride your horse i've seen people riding riding their horse on a pilgrimage um, but the, it should, you know, it should be some sort of journey that involves some sense of inconvenience and some sort of stretching. Um, and, um, and I'd also say that pilgrimage um, uh, should, should really, if, if we're going to be intentional about it, from this is, I suppose, from my personal perspective anyway, it should, it should involve some of the traditional spiritual disciplines like uh, scripture reading as you journey. Um, maybe using a, a liturgy to focus your prayers. It should it should it should involve praying. It should involve, as I say, some sort of sense sense of self denial. And um, I suppose finally, a pilgrimage should um, should really be something that we we are doing. It can be done alone or it can be done communally, but it should be something there should be a sense of journeying with God. So, I mean, ideally, I think probably a pilgrimage should be done with a few friends or a, a, a community of people because it's, it's as you travel together 
that you kind of rub off each other and you learn from each other. But you can, you know, obviously do a pilgrimage by yourself. Um, and, um, you know, that's, yeah, I think that that's, that's what I would describe pilgrimage as, as not a very technical definition, but that sense of an intentional journey to seek God and to go deeper with him with the purpose of, yeah, diving deeper with God and learning more about him and learning more about ourselves as we do that. And that, that's a great way of putting it, because I always would have had this idea of uh, sort of a pilgrim or going on a pilgrimage was this idea of like, you know, you get your stick, um, you know, the stick and you, you put food in a wee yeah. bag, you wrap the bag up, you stick the, you know, that sort of image of like uh, you get in the cartoons of someone throwing the, mm. you know, and just going on a, a journey and <laughs> don't really know where they're going, just going somewhere. And that's always yeah. been um, kind of something that I've always envisioned at pilgrimage to be. And there's really no intention to it. It's just going somewhere. And I guess something you said was, um, you know, about it's intentional, um, mm. you know, and the idea. But I mean, like, I suppose, yeah, I was going to say, I suppose, um, you know, you might, like in the early Irish saints, they sometimes went on a peregrinatio, they went a peregrinatio where they kind of wandered across Europe um, seeing where God took them, but they were still being intentional in the sense they yeah. were seeking God and that. So, yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, it, it sh for me it, it, it involves a destination but it could be a spiritual destination yeah yeah, but yeah. Anyway, so it's yeah, yeah it's, it's that sort of idea of looking for personal transformation or at least personal transformation comes mm. as a result yes. of um mm. of that and you know just just before we get into like you know dig a bit deeper um i, I came across a graph which um sort of talks about it's one of those graphs that kind of if you type a word in it tells you you know where the word um or you know the pilgrimage is an action so it talks about you know when the action was used uh, the most it, and it, when, when you go back to uh, what would be the early church um you know the second third fourth fifth uh, century pilgrimage is a huge um you know it, it says it, it was something that happened a lot um and it, it sort of dips a little bit in this graph for for you know we, no one can see the graph but uh, it's quite high and then it sort of dips um Mm. sort of you know it, it, it seems up until about the the six, 1600s pilgrimage is a is something that people are doing or it's something that's common mm. and then it just nosedives and pilgrimage stops mm -hmm. being seems to be something and then it is slowly um going back up till about you know the, the 1850s and then it takes a nosedive again so it seems to be something that at the very start of the christian faith um pilgrimage was something that was or you know whatever words you know they pilgrimage is mm. our english word um but it was very popular back then and um, for a long time and it sort of has not been as popular um mm. so it's, it's something that um and i suppose from your experience um you know um w w do you think that pilgr pilgrimage is something that um is you know christians should know about is it something that you think christians do know about or has it been as this graph shows me it's sort of been lost to history yeah, it's very interesting you say that. I mean, just to, to go back to your graph for a second, I suppose, before I kind of answer the question about Christians, um, it, it, it's very interesting that, um, that since the 1980s, um, really, uh, pilgrimage has been, we live in an age of pilgrimage, actually. Mm -hmm. Pilgrimage has really, um, has really revived. And I think that we're talking, I think that's to do with kind of the rise of, rise of new age uh, sort of lifestyles and so on. There's a lot of people going on the Camino de Santiago who aren't Christians, but, 
there's a lot of people seeking seeking something spiritually. There's an emptiness. And when I, when I walk on the Camino in Spain, there's, a, there's an emptiness that people have when they're searching for something. And I think that ties in with um, why pilgrimage has really grown again in all its forms. But uh, yeah, you're right. After the Reformation, it did decline a lot. But I mean, I suppose to answer your question, um, yeah, I mean, like yourself, I'm not from um, a, um, a, a background, a spiritual background that would uh, would have talked about pilgrimage, uh, you know, from a Presbyterian background myself. And pilgrimage was something, you know, you sort of read about in the history books or something, um, or maybe uh, you, you might have heard of Chaucer and the Canterbury Tales or something if you were if if you'd heard of that. But yeah, it was not something that it was not something that Protestants did. It was not something that. Um, you know, reformed Christians from a reformed uh, perspective did. It was something that had kind of died out after the Reformation. But I think um, pilgrimage um, is something as Christians that we should we should really know and something we should embrace it as as Protestants or whatever you know whatever we want to class ourselves as. Um, it is something we should really embrace because I think it's very biblical and. Um, it's something, it's something that can enrich our faith and our walk with God, because you know it's it's a way of encountering God, um, just like the you know for example the disciples on the road to Emmaus after when Jesus they were walking back to Emmaus, and Jesus comes alongside them and he walks with them, and and they encounter the risen Lord and they encounter his. Uh, he takes them through scripture, you know, and and pilgrimage is something that 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 do, that does that when you when you're very intentional about it, as a, from a Christian point of view, the Lord can come and really speak to you through what you're experiencing, through the people you're meeting, through the situations you're encountering. So I, I do think it's something Christians should embrace and learn more about and mm -hmm. and experience for themselves. Yeah, and and on that, you know that. Um that point there um you know it's a very biblical thing as you said you know pilgrimage is a very mm -hmm. biblical thing so um to that end you know what is the biblical basis for for pilgrimage do you have some examples to share yeah well you know i think again i think we often talk about we often think of pilgrimage in terms of um a sort of catholic um thing um, that, that's something that maybe you know Catholics do uh, and, and certain traditional streams of Christianity but in fact pilgrimage is very biblical um, and so you know in the Old Testament um, there's that whole sense of, of, of Israel being a pilgrim people you know like they they leave they leave Egypt and they're on a they're, they go on a journey with God, you know, through the wilderness. Um, so there's that sense of in in Jewish thought of, of of traveling with God and and relying on God. You know, the thing about when you go on pilgrimage, you have to deny yourself, and then you know you don't you, you might not know when you're getting your next uh, meal or your next you know how many um, how many miles you're going to be before you find something something to eat or drink so there's that sense of reliance on God so that that in itself is is a very biblical thing um, but also obviously the Jews had the what are called the appointed feasts we we often call them the Jewish feasts but I prefer to call them the biblical feasts the appointed times and um, the Jews had 
what was called the Shalash Regalim, which were the uh, the three pilgrim feasts. Shalash Regalim means like the three legs. It was like a, um, a sort of three-legged stool in which their, their kind of faith and practices were based on. And you had the, th the, the three pilgrim feasts were Pesach, you know, Passover, Shavuot, which is the festival of weeks, uh, or we call it Pentecost, and Sukkot, which is the Feast of Tabernacles. And on those three different feasts, um, the Jew, you know, all Jewish men were uh, obligated to uh, go up to Jerusalem to the temple and and you know offer offer sacrifices and and give their offerings. And um, you know, if you look at something like Exodus twenty three. Uh, verses 14 to 17 it, you know it talks about three times each year every male among you must appear before the lord it talks about it in exodus 34 as well uh talks about it in deuteronomy 16 and uh, there's this sense uh through jewish history of 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 the people of god going as pilgrims up to jerusalem you know going on this journey from all over you know from dan to beersheba uh, to 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 go up to the temple and to worship the Lord, go up to the mountain of the Lord. You know, Isaiah thirty three twenty talks about Zion as the city of our appointed feasts. And of course, when you get to the Psalms, you have the the, the songs of ascent, Psalms one hundred Psalms one hundred and twenty to one hundred and thirty four, and those Psalms um, uh, they're, they're a favourite of mine. I'm sure they're a, fa a favourite of a lot of your listeners. They they were pilgrim psalms. You know, there were psalms that the, the people of God sang um, on this pilgrimage they were taking up to Jerusalem. Um, um, that you know they, they they would sing these psalms, and um, you know if you look at those psalms, you see that um, you see that that's kind of divided into to groups of three. And you have a sort of a, um, uh, you have a, you have a, 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 a sense of journey through each group of three psalms. So you know, each the first psalm will sort of start off with um, um, uh, a sort of being somewhere unsatisfactory. Now if, you, if you take Psalm 120 to Psalm 122, for example, the first psalm, the psalmist is talking about how he's kind of in the wilderness. He's surrounded by kind of people who are godless. And who have whose mouths are like swords, and then the second psalm is, you know, I lift my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? And there's this sense of, I'm in this place where I don't want to be. I lift up my eyes. I focus on God. I and I and I and I go on this journey. And then the third psalm is usually um, arriving, uh, being in God's presence. So Psalm 122 would talk about, you know, our feet are standing in your gates, O Jerusalem. So these psalms of ascent, they really picture that sense of journeying that sense of pilgrimage that the 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 jews um the jew the jews uh, practiced and and although after the second temple uh the destruction of the second temple that kind of uh, obligation to go up to the, the to jerusalem uh stopped um many jews today would still um go to the western world to pray on on, on these different holidays and of course, Zechariah um, in, in, in the Minor Prophets talks in Zechariah 14, verses 16 to 19. Um, talk, Zechariah talks about, he has a picture of the Messianic era at the, at the end of the age and, and how all the nations will go up to 
Jerusalem each year they will have to travel to Jerusalem uh, for the Feast of Tabernacles and worship the Lord so there's that sense of you know that even in the end times um, you know the people the people of God will be um, on pilgrimage and you know if if you think about like you might say oh, well that's Old Testament stuff Michael you know that doesn't that doesn't um, that doesn't really apply to me as a Christian today but um, pilgrimage is in, in, in the New Testament as well, because of course, um, Jesus was Jewish and his parents were Jewish and um, they, they were devout Jews, you know, they were, they were pious people and they observed all these feasts. And so you see, for example, in Luke 2, the whole story, you know, when Jesus is 12 and, and his parents lose him and they, uh, they find him sitting in the temple talking to the teachers. Uh, after three days but unfortunate when you lose your child especially when he's the son of god yeah. but that whole story is 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 set in set with this in the background because it says in luke in luke 2 um verses 41 to 52 that is his parents went up to jerusalem every year for the feast of passover this is this is one of the this is part of the shalosh regalim and 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 when he was 12 he went up according to the custom and when the feast was ended, that's when they lost him. And the background to, to that is that when Jesus was 12, he was basically going to be bar mitzvahed. You know, he was going to become a son of the, the covenant. So what, what, what children did was the women would go up together uh, uh, in front of the men and, and then prepare the camp in the evening. And then the men would follow later. And, and, and so the children would travel with their mothers. So... But when you were 12 and, and when you reached that age, you traveled with the men. So Jesus would have traveled up with his mother and then he would have supposed to be traveling back with his father. And presumably Mary thought he was with Joseph and Joseph thought he was with Mary. Uh, so that's kind of the background to that. Um, and in John 7, 7, I mean, I was reading this morning in my personal devotions, John chapter 7. Uh, about Jesus talking about you know all who come to him will be given living water and and the background to that again is that it shows that Jesus went up to Jerusalem for the feast of Tab tabernacles another one of these pilgrim feasts and 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 what we see in the gospels is Jesus uh, fulfilling the law and and also going on pilgrimage also going up to Jerusalem for these shalosh regalim um and, um, you know, the fact that he talks about being the living water is echoing uh, the journey in the wilderness again and, 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 and how God provided water in the wilderness. Mm -hmm. And just finally, I suppose, uh, well, just two other things. Uh, in Acts 2, uh, the background to the day of Pentecost, again, is Shavuot, the Feast of Weeks or, or, or Pentecost. When the Holy Spirit fell, and we see Jews coming from all over the world for to worship the Lord for this this pilgrim feast, and and we see the church um, amongst them, amongst going up to the temple with these people, and 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 that's when Peter preaches the gospel, and finally we see Paul in Acts twenty uh, verse sixteen, where he he doesn't want to stop at Ephesus because it says that he he wants to he he wants to get back to 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 be in Jerusalem, if at all possible, for the the day of Pentecost, this this um, pilgrim feast. So we see that Mary and Joseph were um, going on pilgrimage. 
for these biblical feasts, we see Jesus doing it, and we see Paul also um, observing. So these, things. so the so the idea of pilgrimage, the idea of of going on a journey with God, um, is a very biblical thing, I think. Yeah, and it's it's interesting, you know, those stories because they're, they're stories that you 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 know, read before, but we don't actually view it or we don't read when we read about the you know the Jewish um, celebrations. Um, we really miss because I know for me one of my favorite uh, uh, verses in Luke is that passage where they leave Jesus in the temple. I think it's a, such a powerful, um, you know, verse because yes. it, it and it, it leaves in those details. Uh, you know, Luke the writer believe, left in the detail about you know how they traveled up each year to go. You know, that was left in um, uh-huh. you know, to signify that this was a part of you know the you know. Jesus's life, you know, he was he was immersed in the the Jewish sort of tradition, which involved pilgrimage. Mm. And I guess another one that sort of came to mind as I was kind of listening to what you're saying um, was Abraham. You know, you've, you've got the story of Abraham who kind of mm-hmm. uh, was living a life. You know, presumably was just living a, a, you know a life. Um, you know, and then God obviously calls him uh, to this to this new yes. land. He doesn't have really a roadmap where he's going, and his sort of kind of um, Obviously, we know Abraham is the model of faith and obedience, uh, but that was a pilgrimage that he was going on to. Uh, yes, that's very true. Yeah, and it, that it's it's interesting when you when you see that how much the faith um, is grounded in this idea, this act of pilgrimage, and you know, faith and obedience and trust. Um, mm. That when when you sort of strip it uh, back a little bit, you start to see those things, and you start to think, well, actually, here, you know, there is, um, you know a lot of the the bible's filled with, with with all those things and and even as you say in the new testament which is um you know we have those stories as well um so obviously getting the, the biblical basis we have the bible is very clear um about you know how important pilgrimage um sort of is and was and um mm. you know uh, but i guess sort of moving on and this is obviously where we can maybe uh, you know become a bit more grounded in today and you know for the individual listener, um, but the the idea you mentioned um, when we were before we, we were we discussing before we came on here, um, that pilgrimage as a discipline. Um, mm. So what what do you mean by that? What would what's the definition of that? Um, I'm using the word discipline not as sort of not as a sort of punishment in the term punishment. Uh, so sometimes this, the word discipline can be misleading. But I'm using it in terms of a spiritual discipline. And a spiritual discipline really is any any practice we 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 do to um, with it, with spiritual formation in mind, you know. So um, spiritual formation as Christians should be an integral part of our lives, you know. So often, again, sometimes as as kind of um, Protestant Christians, we we don't really talk about spiritual formation. We talk about, you know, the importance of being saved and coming to know the Lord. And that's absolutely essential, of course, and and, 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 and so true. But then having been saved, what are we going to do with the rest of our lives? And and, and God expects us to, to go on a journey with him and to, to develop our faith and to grow and to serve others and to build his kingdom. And, and really the only way we're going to do that is if we have formational practices in our lives. If we, if we, if we start to practice things 
which help us to grow as Christians. And of course, one one thing which we, sh you know, our obvious formational practice is reading the Bible and praying. I, I hope as Christians we're all doing that because we should be. But like as you read the Bible, you know, I, I once heard somebody talk about how it lays down sediment in your life, and it kind of, you know, your heart starts to change, doesn't it? God speaks to you through Scripture and. And you start to be transformed as you make it a habit. You know, habits don't have to be bad habits. Habits can be good habits. You know, it's a good habit. I have to clean my teeth every night before bed. Otherwise, you know, I wouldn't have any. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, so for, formational practices, spiritual disciplines are formational practices. Anything we do to help us grow as Christians, to become stronger, to change, to lay aside our uh, besetting sins and weaknesses and to, to 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 take on new things you know to grow the fruit of the spirit in us and some of those spiritual practices might be fasting you know we might fast um, sometimes uh, to seek God uh, pr prayer is, an, is is obviously a formational um, uh, practice and, and and for me pilgrimage is is a formational practice it's a spiritual discipline um and um, it's a way of growing as a Christian. For, for me personally, um, pilgrimage has helped me grow as a Christian to learn more about God, to learn about myself, um, and to, 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 to rely on God. You know, you were talking about Abraham there, and the whole thing about Abraham leaving Ur of the Chaldees, you know, he, he, had, he left this, it was a very sophisticated city for its day, uh, and he leaves this sophisticated city and he goes on this journey and he has to rely on God and he has to trust God and he doesn't know where he's going and you know other than God said I, I'm going to you know show you this land and stuff but he has to rely on God and and, and that's so that's the that's the the that's why pilgrimage is a, is a spiritual discipline because because you have when you go on a, on a pilgrimage you have to rely on God um, your comfort, your comforts are stripped away, um, and uh, and and you realize you you know you get tired and you realize how how addicted to comfort you are and how how grumpy you are and 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 how ungrateful you are, um, and you learn to value the simple things when you go on pilgrimage. You know, uh, there's um, and you. Yeah, you learn about yourself. One of my favorite Psalms is Psalm 84, verses five to seven, where it says, blessed is the man whose strength is in you, whose heart is set in pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a, a spring. The rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength. Each appears before God and Zion. And when I go on pilgrimage, uh, it's... Um, it becomes it's hard it can you can be you can be tired you can be uh you 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 can have you know a sore hip or a sore back you get a blisters on your feet um though hopefully not in my case because i'm a podiatrist um you can you you can you encounter you encounter other people who challenge you um but you realize how 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 through these experiences god is interacting with your heart and showing you things and and changing you you know like if you'd said to me a few years ago that i'd be able to go walking 800 kilometers with a rucksack on my back and go over several mountain ranges um which is something i've done in the last few years i would have said you were totally mad 
Well, what I le I've learned through that is I've learned about my own, my ability to endure, my, my, I, my, I've learned to understand that God is able to, to, you know, be with me in season and out of season. So, um, yeah. Um, when you go on pilgrimage, you have to, like, um, on, on the Camino, like, that's my experience of pilgrimage is walking on the Camino de Santiago in Spain. And when you, when you go on the Camino, um, you, you have to, you just, yeah, your life is reduced down to what you have in your rucksack. You can really only carry a maximum of 10 kilograms. So you have to throw out all your luxuries. You know, you can't carry your library of books. You can't carry your, your lovely cozy uh, air bed and all this kind of thing. You have to just carry the minimum, a few changes of clothes, the bare minimum. And, and so that's a spiritual discipline to learn to live simply, to learn that you, we, how much we clutter our lives with detritus and with things we don't need. And I don't just mean material things, but also kind of spiritual and mental and so on. So that's one thing you have to, you have to discipline yourself to, to, to simplify your life. And then when you go, when you're walking on pilgrimage, you, you, you have to slow, everything slows down to walking pace. And I remember the first time I did it when I was walking on, on the Camino and life slowed down to walking pace and life became, life becomes just that your destination for that day. Um, you know, getting to that hostel after 20 kilometers or whatever. And you, and you realize how addicted to activity you are, how, how much your identity is, is, is wrapped up in doing, doing, doing activities, especially in our 21st century culture. So there's that, you know, there's that discipline to shed everything, to slow down. And, and, and I find when I go walking on the Camino as well, there's a, there's a discipline. I find I want to talk less and less, which I'm sure you, you're surprised at because I never shut up. Um, but, but there's that sense of, of want, you become, I find I become more and more silent in a good way. I don't mean silent in a pensive, bad way, but I, I don't need to say anything. I, I just, I just need to be with God. Um, so yeah. And, and then you stay in these hostels and some of them are really good and some of them are not good, but you learn to be grateful. So it's about being grateful for what God gives you. It's about, yeah. Yeah. Just making your life simple. So I guess, so, you know, yeah. um, as I say, when you, when you, when you've discussed this with me before, I, I sort of feel in, in myself, like it's welling up with like a sense of, um, need for, of that I think in a society that we live in we're constantly surrounded by um, you know I, I recently the, uh, not that long ago had this sensation of feeling completely cluttered and um, my brain was cluttered yes. my spiritual life was cluttered my physical kind of surroundings were cluttered um, and that's not me saying I have a messy house but just I felt that um, everything was just so cluttered and I needed to let to sort of do something and I think I was drawn to this idea of like less and when I hear you say about the pilgrim being on, being on a pilgrimage, it sort of invokes that sense of, you know, I want to, I, I just want to get away and to do that. And I suppose that if, you know, the people who are listening into this are a bit like me, you know, this, this is, sounds, you know, it sounds exciting. Maybe it sounds scary. It sounds something that people think that's not something I want to do. So um, would you share an experience because you talk about the Camino. Um, so share an experience of what, 
I know you've sort of talked about it there, like what it looks like. Um, maybe people don't know what the Camino is, so maybe you could describe a little bit about that and um, sort of give a little bit of a context to your personal experience so that, um, and then obviously we'll, we'll come back around to, you know, how, you know, the benefits of that. But you just share a little bit of an ex your personal experience to maybe ground it um, down so people can you know, understand what a pilgrimage for you looks like. Um, so I, I first walked on the Camino de Santiago in 2014. Um, for those of you that don't know what the Camino is, the Camino is an, is a, an ancient pilgrim trail um, uh, that, you know, after, Jer after sort of Roman Jerusalem, um, the sort of the, the um, shrine of St. James in Santiago was like the biggest pilgrim pilgrim destination in med medieval Europe. And so there was kind of routes that converged from all over Europe, from Britain and Ireland, and from even Scandinavia and Central Europe. And they all converged on, 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 on Santiago in Galicia and Spain. And um, so the modern Camino is a, series of, is a series of routes, mainly in Spain and, and France. And um, the main one is called the French Way, and it runs from uh, Saint-Jean-Pied-de-Port in, um, in the French Pyrenees, over the Pyrenees Mountains, and, and all the way across northern Spain, um, through a variety of landscapes, through vineyards, through the Meseta, which is like this wide, open, empty expanse. Um, it goes through cities like Pamplona and Burgos and... Uh, um, Leon, um, and there's just this uh, this diversity of scenery, um, and it's very very popular nowadays, or it was before COVID nineteen, and um, people come from all over the world for all sorts of reasons to walk the Camino. I'd say fifty percent, if not more, are not Christians or Catholics. They're not doing it for spiritual reasons; they're just doing it um, as a sort of bucket list experience. Um, um, but a lot of people are uh, a lot of people I have encountered on the Camino are doing it because also they've had some sort of crisis in their lives or something and they're seeking seeking purpose and meaning. Um, but I, I I went on the Camino because I love history, I love culture, I love travel. So I was looking forward to the Spanish uh, food and the Spanish wine and the and the beautiful Spanish scenery and the sunshine, which we don't get a lot of in Ireland, not, not in Cork anyway. Uh, and um, and the history, I love history and I just I just love, you know, the whole, uh, all the sort of cities and castles and cathedrals. I love all that stuff. I wasn't going for any spiritual purpose. And I went with some friends and my, I could only say that I was very nervous about going because I'd never done anything like that before. I didn't know whether I'd have the physical stamina for it, but I decided to give it a go. And um, I can only say, I would say that I was ambushed by God on day three. I was walking on the Camino, uh, enjoying it for this walk and this culture and history. And on day three, I began to find myself crying. And I didn't even know why I was crying particularly. Now, my father had died a few months earlier, but I don't think that was really why I was crying. I didn't know why I was crying. And um, I found myself sitting in churches, um, just sort of listening to God and meditating and, and in a Christian sense, by the way, and um, praying and um, just having a sense of, of the real presence of the Lord with me. And um, yeah, that was just very surprising for me. Um, and it was just, it was a, it was that initial, 
experience. I kind of walked the Camino in sections because I couldn't do the whole thing at once. You know, a lot of people walk, you can walk it in about six weeks, but I sort of did, you know, a week or two weeks at a time because I could only get kind of maximum of two weeks off work. So that first time I just kind of walked for just over a week and it was it was a transformative experience. And when I got back, I just felt the Lord was saying something and I didn't know what it was. And, and I read Richard Foster's book um, by coincidence in inverted commas, um, a celebration of discipline. And I realized that's what the Lord was saying to me. He was talking to me about getting back to the kind of Christian I used to be. When I first became a Christian in, in Bangor in the 1980s, um, when I was 16, I used to read my Bible and pray. And then I used to just sit there and listen and, and just feel God with me. Or sometimes I'd go for a walk and... I remember one experience I had where I was just, it was a lovely summer's evening and I just had this amazing sense of the Lord with me, walking with me and just showing me things. Just look at that lovely, uh, look at that beautiful scenery, look at that seabird and the way it's soaring, look at that flower. And I had, it was a lovely time and and I didn't know that was called contemplative prayer. <laughs> um, and when I went in the Camino, that's what the Lord was saying, really. He wanted me to get back to the kind of Christian I used to be. I've been, an, I've been a, a leader in various, I've been on the leadership team in various churches. I, I um, teach regularly and I'm, I have lots of activities in my life, but I kind of, my activities have become my identity as a, as a Christian. I was, it was what I was doing rather than who I was as a beloved son of the Father. And going in the Camino and, and being forced to, to, to walk, walk through forests, mm -hmm. listen to birds singing, listen to the crunch of the gravel under my feet for day after day. You know, the thing about the Camino is it's the rhythm. You have to get up. The, 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 the old burgers, the hostels close usually at 8 a.m., or uh, on 8.30 and you have to, so you have to get up about 6.30 or 7. You have a quick, simple breakfast. You set off walking. Uh, you maybe have a, have a second breakfast in a cafe somewhere, a bit of lunch somewhere. And you arrive at the next hostel at kind of two or three o'clock because it's getting hot by then. So then you, then you have a shower, you wash your clothes, you rest and then and have your dinner. And then it's bedtime because you have to be in bed, lights out at 10 o'clock. Repeat. Repeat, repeat, repeat. And this rhythm, this rhythm of walking, seeking God, resting, showering, going to bed, getting up and repeating, is, is like, um, it's, it is a spiritual discipline in itself. And, and, and my life slowed down to that, just that. And I, I realized, wow, I've just been too busy. I haven't been seeking God. I haven't been listening to him. So yeah. That was kind of my kind of initial experience yeah. of the Camino, and it's it's become an essential part of my my uh, sort of Christian experience. I would I would try and go on a, on, on, a, on a pilgrimage sort of at least once a year to just take time out to be with God and be yeah. refreshed and draw aside. Yeah, and I think that's a, COVID nineteen is yeah, COVID nineteen's <laughs> got in the way. As Put the brakes on that. Yeah. Um, it is it's, it is interesting, you know, that, um, the the fact of getting away, um, and you know, spending time with God and the, the rhythm. And I think it's it's such a fascinating way of looking at it, you know discipline because you know it's a spiritual discipline. So we think of you know, you know, you know, prayer and Bible reading and uh, getting into that rhythm of, of prayer and um, 
you know, making habits of the things that, you know, keep our focus on God. And I think while those things are fantastic and great, we often do neglect the kind of, um, you know, things like pilgrimage um, because we think it sounds very grandeur or, you know, we think it sounds difficult. And I know my sort of only, uh, compared to the experience you've had, I mean, my pilgrimage was up the North Coast uh, when I decided mm. to take, just take time away. You know, I, I, I didn't, mm-hmm. um, I wouldn't, it wasn't obviously as kind of in, maybe as intentional or as kind of um, mm. be focused as what you, you've experienced, but just that ability of getting away and saying, I'm getting away. Obviously my intention is to, this was uh, the February before, last February, yeah, last year, mm. sorry, before COVID hit. And I just said, I was going to get away. And I was going to spend, um, you know, time of God. And I just remember having those, that moment of just, um, it was real clarity of just sort of um, mm-hmm. you know, spending time, you know, I remember walking along up the North Coast and pushed into the wind on my face and, you know, having that mm-hmm. moment to slow down um, and s- stop worrying about, you know, to, to let the worries. And I think there's something, something very powerful about pilgrimage. And it's, as I've sort of been chatting to you about it, and, you know, that's one of the reasons why I wanted to, to get on, you know, on the podcast, because it is something that's, uh, you know, incredibly overlooked. And especially for us being in, you know, Ireland, we have a very well-known pilgrim, um, you know, that we're, you know, or, you know, someone who, who has pilgrimage associated with his name that we celebrate on St. Patrick's Day, you know, Patrick mm-hmm. being one. And, you know, someone who, um, you know, obviously, um, you know, went you know, from, from England over, over to Ireland and, you know, all that sort of stuff. But Ireland does have a history of, you know, um, kind of sending people out on pilgrim pilgrimages. And, you know, I was reading up before this and I was saying about how Ireland, um, you know, um, you know, has, has had a, there's been a lot of, uh, in the in past, Irish people leaving the shores of Ireland on pilgrimages across Europe and um, oh, yeah. you know, across the world. But, you know, just to sort of kind of, so you, you, you know, a lot of people might be thinking, okay, well, how, so maybe a lot of people can't do the Camino. Um, for various reasons, obviously COVID being a big one at the minute, but maybe, you know, there's a lot of people can't do it, but what would you say to, to someone who wants to do pilgrimage, who thinks this is something they want to do, what would you say to them, but maybe uh, they can't do the Camino or there's a bit of fear around that, what would you say to them? Mm. I'd say, I'd say, uh, say do it. Do it, do it, do it, do it, a pilgrimage. I mean, just listening to you, you know, last year I couldn't uh, couldn't go on the Camino, obviously. So, uh, I I I I had two Northern Irish pilgrimages. I did this. I did kind of similar to you. I walked for three days from Port Stewart, from Tubble Padraig, the the well in Port Stewart Strand, along the north coast to Bonamagi uh, Friary and Ballycastle, and and that was that was as much a pilgrimage as. As the Camino, and and in August, I we walked a few of us. Uh, I, I, I walked with a few young guys from my parish, um, on the St Patrick's Way. We walked from um, Navan Fort to um, Dan Patrick, uh, and 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 then we met uh, Bishop David at um, David McClay at Saul at the end, who he was who prayed for us, um, and that that you know so. What I'm, so, so what I'm saying is you you can do a pilgrimage mm-hmm. you can do a pilgrimage at home you don't have to go to you know uh, Jerusalem or, or Santiago you can do it you know you can do a pilgrimage in a day you know when I was growing up I was very fond of Mendrum you know that monastic site and you, know, you could set aside a day and decide I'm going to 
I'm going to drive to Nendrum and just spend some time praying there or I'm, I'm going to, you know, like when I went on St. Patrick's Way last year, we intentionally decided to make it a sort of focus on St. Patrick in the sense of we, 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 we kind of visited sites of significance in Patrick's life and, and, and thought about how, you know, Patrick had brought the gospel to Ireland and, and how, um, how how courageous he'd been, you know, coming back to Ireland after he'd escaped and that kind of thing. And, and it was a very meaningful experience. And what 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 I do on the Camino, uh, what I do in pilgrimage is I always, always use a liturgy. So I actually use the Northumbria community liturgy because it's a nice simple one. And if I was working with friends, we'd use the Northumbria liturgy and we'd have... Um, bit of bible readings that we'd, we'd read so we'd have a kindle or our bibles and we'd read as we walked along and um, and and then we and and then we'd have a time of prayer and we might even have some worship we might sing a few songs and that might that might take several hours you know because we might start we might start the liturgy and we might do the first bible reading and then we arrive at the cafe and, and and go for a coffee and then we continue and we read the next bible reading you know and i've had people who are not with us who are, not, who are not Christians join us sometimes and pray with us and and and, and even do readings with us. Mm-hmm. Um, I've pr- been able to pray for people um, uh, on, on on pilgrimage. So I would say to anybody, you know, it doesn't a pilgrimage doesn't have to be walking all the way across northern Spain. You could decide to set aside, um, you know, a day to just go on a walk. Yeah. Um, uh, in your local area, you know, but 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 a walk in which you are seeking God and which you are praying and you know, and um, you're you're sanctifying that walk and you're making it into something, mm-hmm. something something more sacred and special. So anybody can do a pilgrimage. It doesn't, you know, it could be a day in your local area. And that's good. To, yeah, it's good because you know, obviously, it's. Um, you know, it's good to know that we can do it at our you know we and, and like myself you know i um as i would love to do the camino at some stage i would love to you know to to go abroad but it is good to know that you can you know um sort of go up the north coast or go somewhere in a, the beautiful yeah. country of ireland and um do that and be intentional about getting away and i think it, there's something very attractive about that um you know especially um uh, you know there's something that in today's you know Day, especially COVID, I think has brought this out even more. That, um, you know, I think people are, are looking at. That. And I think that's why you brought up at, at the start about how we're seeing a resurgence of pilgrimage. Maybe not in a Christian context, but in a, you know, people who say mm. they're maybe not religious or spiritual. You know, that old phrase, um, you know, and because people are, um, I think we're sort of moving into, into a generation where people are becoming fed up with the materialistic lifestyle. They're realizing that, it's, especially with social media. Uh, which um, you know, I think boxes us in. Um, and I think pilgrimage mm. breaks can break us out of that, and it, it brings us back mm. into into nature, wherever that is, whether that's up the north coast, yeah, the sea, or whether that's in the Camino, or whether that's in a forest area. You know, that getting out and um, you know, there's something very powerful about that. And then obviously, you know, I, I, it's you know to to bring it around in a slightly different. Um, perspective we're, we're pilgrims anyway as Christians because as uh, first Peter yes. 11 you know says that mm. we're pilgrims in this world that we're uh, sojourners mm. we're, we're walking through this world and um, 
yeah, so we're all pilgrims and already, and the Bible makes that clear. Um, but it's, it's definitely a, a discipline of being intentionally setting time aside uh, to go. Um, and yeah. yeah, absolutely. I mean, last year as well, I went uh, just for a morning, I went with an Albanian friend up Slemish in County Antrim. Yeah, yeah. It was just a morning. Yeah. We walked up Slemish and, and, and that, that in itself, I found uh, you know, very, uh, very powerful experience, just that you know, sense yeah. of a place of significance. So, yeah. No, and I think the thing about pilgrimage as well is that, you know, it's a kind of a cliche, but it is a metaphor for life. And, and the lessons you learn on pilgrimage, you can bring back into your ordinary life and you real and you start to realize how much your life is a pilgrimage and how much you're journeying with God in, in everyday life. And, and you realize, you know, just as how I endured that difficult experience of scrabbling over that mountain range or whatever, or walking on that hot day, I can endure in my own life in different seasons. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it definitely is. Um a worthwhile a discipline that I hope to um, uh, pursue more. Um, do you have anything, uh, just before we, we, we wrap it up, is there anything else you want to, to share regarding your experiences? Maybe something that, uh, that, that uh, what have, something maybe a pilgrimage has taught you that you, um, something that you've learned that's been a, becoming a, a, the cornerstone of your life um, since that, or is there just any sort of other experience? Um, I think, well, just as one story from the Camino, um, the, the central section of the Camino is, is called the Meseta. The Meseta is a sort of um, a, a kind of barren, rocky plateau that covers actually about 50% of the Iberian Peninsula. And on the Camino, you kind of have to walk across the Meseta in the central section of the Camino route for 10 days. And you kind of walk up onto this plateau. And uh, before before uh, I walked, before I got to the Meseta, I was walking along and I was reading up, you know, reviews and what people said ahead. And I was terrified of the Meseta because everybody was like, there's people who avoid it, they'll go on the bus and they'll, they'll, they'll get the bus from Burgos to Leon so they don't have to go on the Meseta or they'll, uh, they'll, they'll hire bikes and cyclists across it as fast as possible. And I was terrified. I was like, this sounds like this sounds like really arduous and a real a real nightmare and uh, really people saying this is I I nearly went mad I was bored senseless there's nothing there it's a desert and all this kind of thing and um, so I was kind of in trepidation and and I was surprised that the exact when I got on the Meseta it was like the exact opposite happened. You'd wake up in the morning. It was like it's like a bare, sparse, open landscape, you know, like somewhere like you imagine kind of the Midwest or something. And you get up in the morning and there'd kind of be mist drifting across and it'd be silent and you hardly saw anyone. You could walk, you know, kind of all day and hardly see a soul. And it, it was such a special experience. And and at the end of the 10 days, I was kind of nearly in tears when we had to come off the Meseta and, 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 and then to Leon and to this city. It's like culture shock after walking in lovely silence for 10 days. And um, Henri and I like reading Henri Nouwen, um, who's a, a, a Catholic priest who, who, who writes very kind of nice meditative books. And he, he talks, Henri Nouwen talked about um, that you need to keep the door of the steam room closed. You know, you need to, you need to keep the heat in and let the steam build up. 
so that you so that then you have something to give to other people you have something to give out to other people and, and you and you have to let the heat build up in your heart before you can give out to other people and if you always have the door of the steam room steam room open all the steam and goes out it, it goes cold and if you're always into activities and you're always you know doing and not being then you never let the the heat and the steam build up in your heart and 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 i think what i learned on on i learned that on the meseta that that time of silence was see, it, the place seemed empty and it seemed a kind of a sparse experience but actually it was a place where where god was building up spiritual steam in my heart um and and yeah and and i think in our lives there are what I've learned, and I've always remembered the Meseta, and what I've learned from that is there's going to be times in our lives where there's kind of wilderness experiences, there's dry experiences, there's times when everything seems dry and empty. At the moment is one of them, where we feel, certainly where I'm living, we've got five kilometre restrictions since last November, and we can go nowhere, meet no one, do nothing. And it's a kind of a, it's a Meseta experience. And yet it's, it can be an opportunity where, as, as I mentioned earlier in Psalm 84, it can become a place of springs, it, become, it can become a place of, of blessing and fruitfulness, that, that we're building up something that we can use later. And I think that is what pilgrimage is for me. It's, it's building up something that I can then carry back into my everyday life, into my work and into my family and into my friendships. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And it's... That's a, that's a great sort of way to, to bring it to a close because the idea of that steam room analogy, and I think that's Henry Nine, I think that was the uh, the way of the heart, was it, I think? Or there's something? Yes, I think, yes, I think that's right, yeah. yeah. A great book. Um, and I actually read that when I went on my pilgrimage up the up the North Coast. <laughs> well, there you go. It's funny that, uh, but it is such a, you know, we need to, we need to spend time building up that steam before we can um, give out. And I think that in our today's society, we, we uh, just get rid of the steam all at once in the, our cluttered world that we live in and it's constantly demanding our time. I think it's good to spend time. So Michael, thank you so much for uh, spending some time sharing uh, about your uh, pilgrimage experience. It's been an absolute pleasure to be on your esteemed podcast. Yes, I know. It's going to be far and wide <laughs> across, you know. The, you know. <laughs> any, any letters of complaint, send them to Matthew. <laughs> yes, I know. I, I know. I'm sure there's. I'm sure there's a few. A few things that. Uh, but no, it's. It is. Uh, it is good to have you. Um, and I, I really enjoyed this. It's a definitely a conversation that. Um, I know that uh, when once COVID is gone, um, which hopefully, hopefully will uh, will not be too far away, uh, in the future that we'll be, I'll be able to get back on to doing some sort of pilgrimage, and um, uh, you know, um, and you know, we'll I'll speak to Natalie and I'll book you in on the Camino. That's it. Sounds good. I know. It's. Uh, I just. I just don't want to. You know. Decide. Oh, I'm gonna. Go, I'm gonna go on a lovely pilgrimage. Uh, you know, down Ireland, and then get arrested on my pilgrimage. You know, that would not be. That would not go down well. So, um, hopefully, when 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 COVID's up, yes, I'll definitely be the Camino is the next. Definitely seems to be that. So, yeah. Um. Thank you. Thank you again, Michael. And uh, I hope everyone here uh, listening has enjoyed this, and uh, will um maybe look into. Uh, well, look into pilgrimage uh, themselves so um, I will uh, say goodbye and uh, we'll see you next time